So uh, we're reading from uh, Acts chapter 16, verses 16 to 34, and I think that's on page 1,112 of Church Bibles, also be on the screen here. It's Acts chapter 16, verses 16 to 34. Once, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When their owners realised that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptised. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone. We haven't met. Uh, I'm Edward Millet. I'm the team vicar here. Um, We're continuing a series uh, in uh, called Faithful Through Suffering. Why don't I pray before we uh, get stuck into this?
Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. So Lord, we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would help uh, us in our hearts, Lord, to see you now so that we might see your glorious salvation. Maybe that might be for the first time today, or Lord, it might be for the thousandth time. And Lord, that you would refresh us and renew us, even though, Lord, we may feel weighed down by physical frailty, by suffering, uh, by grief. Lord, that we might give you thanks and praise, though we might be stood on the mountaintops of success and joy this morning. And Lord, that we would reorientate all that we are around you and your glorious rescue. Amen. Uh, faithful through suffering is where, we, where we've been. Uh, we have saw in Exodus how God is faithful through suffering. He is a big God for big grief. And so when things are hard, we often can't see God. But we saw how he rescued his people by smashing open the Red Sea. So big is our God that he can be faithful through suffering. We saw that. Then we also had to think about how Jesus is faithful through suffering for the faithless, like us. Uh, and so we thought about the, you know, the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane who couldn't even stay faithful to God's commands, to Jesus' command to stay awake and be with him in his moment of real suffering. They actually all capitulated on that, didn't they? But he sticks with them. He is faithful through suffering, even on the cross, and drinking that cup of wrath for those who are faithless. Which is good news, because it means when we're suffering, there's nothing that we can do that can stop Jesus from loving us. And it's a bit like we've got this bungee cord of the Holy Spirit that, uh, that binds us uh, to Jesus. And then, yeah, it's, I have to say, several people have noticed that they thought that I was good at drawing. I'm sorry that... <clears throat> I'm not that great. <clears throat> We've also seen, oh gosh, excuse me. <clears throat> uh, faithful through suffering. Can anyone remember what this one is? Because I'm starting to remember. Uh, we're going to see today that God saves through uh, those who are faithful through suffering. Having seen last week, sorry, that he, uh, is, he helps us to be called to be faithful through suffering. So we're called to suffer. So we saw last week that actually, as Christians, when we proclaim the word of God and we stand up for Jesus, we do get it in the neck. But we are empowered to keep going in that by the presence of the Holy Spirit. So hence, there was trying to be someone here who's having a hard time on a broken world, but the Holy Spirit turns them sort of into your superpower, as it were. And so good news, uh, we are called, like Paul was, uh, to proclaim Jesus, but we're filled with the Spirit. And so today, I'm going to turn that over. Today we're thinking about how <clears throat> God saves through those who are faithful through suffering. There's a sort of universal equation, thank you brother, there's a universal equation, isn't there? It goes a bit like this, I think. Uh, and we had it nicely illustrated this morning, where if I've got, if I've got suffering, uh, <coughs> there we go, if I've got suffering plus no point at all, <coughs> I had that there, 
There's no point to the suffering. Uh, what, what does that equal? It equals give up, doesn't it? Straight away. That is a universal, oh, I give up. Literally, in our household, you do 10 minutes of maths, but I see there's no point to doing 10 minutes of maths, and so I give up straight away. I offer to get you to eat a chili, it's gonna hurt. There is no advantage to me eating the chili, and so I'm not gonna eat the chili. Unless, of course, there's peer pressure, in which case you eat the chili. <coughs> now I don't know how you did that. This is the universal thing, isn't it? But what we can do, and what we saw just there, is if there is a point, then actually we oh, won't give up, will we? So I did actually get a guy once to eat one of those Grim Reaper chilies. <laughs> I said, look, imagine, I've got, imagine I'm gonna pay you a million pounds to eat it and he ate the whole thing. And honestly, his face actually looked like it was gonna melt off. But he did it because if, we, if there's a million pounds in offer, we'll do it, won't we? So the issue is, is we want to know actually that there is a purpose to our suffering because then we will persevere. I'm just going to sip of this. We want to know there's a purpose to our suffering because then we'll persevere. By contrast, if there is no point or purpose, then I'm not going to stick at it at all. And that's the problem when we're suffering, isn't it? What's the point of this? Isn't this just a waste of my time? It's just ruined my dreams. This suffering has no point other than to make my life miserable. I want to give up. I want to make it stop. I want to hide away or change everything that's going on. In particular, I want to give up on Jesus, believing in him and living for him. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe you're having a change in a year group at school um, when you've got to own up all over again to knowing Jesus and how people aren't going to like it. And you're thinking, well, what's the point in that? I'll just not say anything. I'll fly under the radar uh, rather than proclaim Jesus' name. Maybe you get bullied in the workplace or at school. Um, maybe every Pride Month you look forward to that coming around because it's just rubbish and you think well what's the point of Jesus here I'll just go with it I'll just ignore your word on that bit maybe it just might be that you're so lonely and desperate to be liked loved admired by someone you think what's the point in staying like that for Jesus I'm not I'm not going to wait till I'm married for sex and I'll definitely go out with someone who doesn't love Jesus Oh, there just doesn't seem a point in enduring that suffering. Maybe you think, you know, my parents or my parents seem, they just seem to hate each other and me. It's so hard to honour them. What's the point of Jesus? I just want to give up, disobey them on everything, who I hang out with, what I drink, what I smoke, what I watch, how I eat, just, just to escape. Why do you want to listen to this here? It's because this tells us that your suffering, whatever it is, is never wasted. It has a point and an eternally significant one that'll keep you being faithful through suffering. Can you see here what happens in this passage is, is that God saves 
through those guys here who are faithful through suffering. Paul and Silas are in a town called Philippi in northern Greece. And guess what they're doing there? They're proclaiming the name of Jesus. Specifically, they're telling people how to be saved, aren't they? In this part of church history, we get a detail about the suffering that comes afterwards whenever people do that. And it helps us understand how God never wastes our suffering, but can use it to rescue people. So first of all, we see here in verses 19 to 25, there's this joyful faith in suffering. So we meet a woman, first of all, who's being exploited by people, by men, who make money out of her. Did you see that in verse 16? They were going by, um, to a place of prayer where they were met by a female slave who had a spirit which, by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners. And it's her owners in verse 19. They realised their hope of making money was gone. And so they seized Paul and Silas, don't they? Because Paul sets her free. And so the slave masters, they're angry. And that's when Paul and Silas's suffering really begins. And it all seems so pointless. Suffering here is because they were telling people about Jesus. And the suffering is horrible. It's scary. It's unfair. And it looks like Paul and Silas will be stopped from growing God's kingdom or rescuing people through the gospel. It looks like people won't get to hear how to be saved. Worse Than pointless, this suffering seems to undermine God's good purpose, doesn't it? And so you can imagine them saying, God, why would you do this? Surely this is not your plan. Maybe I need to change what I'm doing. That's not what they do, is it? Even though, look what happens to them. Verse 19b, Paul and Silas are dragged into the marketplace to face the authorities. That is a horrible public thing, isn't it? It's an unfair accusation. Verse 20, these men are Jews and they're throwing our city into uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. That's not actually true. It's an unfair process. In verse 37, we learn that these guys are Roman citizens, whereas here they're claiming the crowd are saying that they're Jews. And there ought to be a whole different process for a Roman citizen. Verse 22, have a read of that. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. It's scary having a whole crowd joining in. I have a mate who's in the army, and he says that the most scary thing you can come face to face with when you're in the army is a mob. That is the most terrifying thing, because there's nothing you can do to stop it. That's what these guys have got. And then on top of that, they have the shame, don't they, in verse 22, of being stripped and beaten publicly. The terrible pain of being severely flogged. See verse 23? After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. It's hopelessness and helplessness of being put in stocks. I hope none of you know what that's like. But to be put in there naked in a room with no light, according to that last bit, the inner cell in verse 24. And we see verse 29, there isn't any light in there, is there? It's all happened. They're all locked away. 
because they've preached about Jesus and because they helped a woman who was possessed and being exploited. How would you feel about God at this stage? What are you saying to God in the darkness of that cell? I'll tell you what I would be doing. I would be having a serious cry. Not just a tear or two, but full on face down, dribble coming out of my mouth, wailing and shouting. Tantrums are not allowed in our house, but one is definitely called for here, isn't it? How do Paul and Silas respond, though, in verse 25? Someone want to shout that out for me. They're praying and they're singing hymns to God. That's extraordinary, isn't it? About midnight, they're, they're praying and they're singing hymns. They have a late night worship session singing about how great God is and how wonderful being his people is and praying to him for themselves and for those around them, no doubt. That is extraordinary, isn't it? I mean, that is a joyful faith in suffering. They're faithful through suffering, aren't they? Like our last talk, the Holy Spirit is at work in them to make them those superheroes. But there's a bit more, isn't there? Look at this, the rescue that points, uh, the rescued point to rescue and joy. That's what happens next. First of all, God turns up. Do you see the earthquake? Suddenly there was a violent earthquake and the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. You see, I, I don't know how an earthquake uh, and open doors and take chains off, but it is obvious, isn't it, that God turns up. God is intervening. God turns up, then the jailer wakes up. He missed the late night prayer and praise, but now he has a problem. If the prisoners have escaped, it's on his head. Literally, he will be executed for dereliction of duty. He's in danger of death. And so he draws his sword to get in there before the authorities do, because we've seen already that they're not a very nice bunch, are they? God turns up, the jailer wakes up, and then Paul turns it up. Paul and Silas have been rescued physically and rescued by Jesus spiritually from judgment. They have stayed faithful through their suffering and God can now use that to save the jailer physically and spiritually. And so he calls out in verse 28, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights and rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Why do you think the jailer asks them that? Because he can see how they have been rescued in their suffering, can't he? He can see a picture of Jesus, the rescue of them forever. And so he says, how can I be saved? And the answer in verse 32 is, they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Trust in Jesus. And the jailer doesn't need to ask what that looks like. He's got it in front of him. Two men who are faithful through suffering. 
walking, talking, suffering and singing testimonies that Jesus is worth it and what trust in Jesus looks like. And the result is that Jailer and his whole household hear the word of the Lord in verse 32 and they were all baptised into the church of Christ, verse 33. They became Christians. Can you see how it's a beautiful turnaround? Do you remember the dark has become light, how the chains has come to a party, how the prison has ended up in, we've ended up in someone's home, how there was death and now there is life, how there was eternal judgment to eternal life, how there was suffering to the joy of this party at the end. God used Paul and Silas's faithfulness through suffering to save others. And that is eternally significant. I had a mate who I rode with, he's massive, but he has a needle phobia. So if you get a needle out for a jab, he'd pass out. So what we used to do is try and show him, look, I'll go first, amigo, and then you can see that the little pain is worth it for being healed up and being made all good. So look, I'll go first, you can see that it's gonna be okay, all right? And he'd sit there and I'd go through jab and that would just about make it all right. That's kind of what's going on here, isn't it? If we're faithful to Jesus through suffering, our friends and our family, what do they see? They see that Jesus must be worth it and they want to know and they want to be saved by Jesus too. So the rescued, we point to rescue and joy in Jesus by being faithful to Jesus through suffering. It's not a straight line. It's not, I suffer and you are saved. Do you remember who does all the work in this passage? God does the saving. He opens spiritually blind eyes, but he uses Paul and Silas's suffering and their faithfulness in it to help, doesn't he? And so we don't go looking for suffering so that people would get saved, but we might find it a bit easier being faithful to Jesus through suffering, knowing that he might use it to save others forever. Think of the effect of the non-Christian friends as he grieves, uh, but with hope. Uh, sorry, what I was trying to say was, the effect that I've seen over the last week has been deeply profound amongst us, I think, of just this. As I spoke uh, on Tuesday to parents who don't know the Lord, what do you think they want to ask me? They say, what are you telling your children? I don't know what to tell my children. I haven't got anything. And I say, oh, I'm sorry about that. For us, it's very simple. We know that Sammy is in heaven with Jesus because Jesus has died to take away our sins. And he's risen from the dead. And so my children are sad, but actually they're doing fine. And you can see them computing it. Oh gosh. I think we've seen that time and again over the last week as we have had cause to hold up the hope that we have in suffering and to be faithful to Jesus, people on the outside who've been looking in have seen that Jesus is worth it, haven't they? And so as God has kept us faithful to him through that suffering, 
I think he's nudged the spiritual temperature needle across our church family and wider across all those that we know and love in Chesham. And that can keep us going when we feel a bit overwhelmed. Can you think of other people in the Bible who were faithful through suffering, which God used to save others? There's loads of them. You might think Joshua, betrayed by his family, sold as a slave, falsely imprisoned for two years, but made prince of Egypt to rescue God's people, who says, you meant it for evil, but God intended it for, for good. Or my favourite, Jesus. Jesus was faithful through the worst evil and suffering possible. Of Judas, Pilate, the religious leaders, the friends betraying him, the physical suffering, the unimaginable finally drinking that cup of wrath. God the Father used that to accomplish the greatest rescue ever to save us and billions of Christians from eternity in hell, for an eternity in his house at his banquet. Suffering happens in God's kingdom, but God never wastes it. And so Christians can end up being a bit like, if we've got a picture of the lighthouse, we can end up being a little bit like a lighthouse. We might be buffeted and nearly overcome by waves of suffering. We might feel like we are a long way from dry land and lovely spring weather. But as we stand in the suffering, we are like a lighthouse that points the direction to safety and to rescue. Because the person we stand on is Jesus. And he's not going anywhere. He will hold us. And as we stand, we're like a lighthouse pointing other people who are out there with nothing in that storm, pointing them the way to safety and to home. The City of Light song we sang does it really well, I think. Minor tears in times of sorrow, darkness not yet understood. Through the valley I must travel where I see no earthly good. But mine is peace that flows from heaven and the strength in times of need. I know my pain will not be wasted. Christ completes his work in me. So, children of God, do not be afraid. There's joy in being faithful through suffering because God can use it to bring others to see Jesus is worth it and to save them from death and judgment. And that is glorious. So be faithful through suffering. Remember, God doesn't waste it. So let's not us waste it. Try not to hide away with your suffering, but do business with God and with his people. And as you do that, people get to join in. So share your suffering honestly. Suffering is hard. It hurts. Don't be ashamed of it. If we are to hide it, then no one sees God helping us to be faithful to him through suffering. If we openly cry and lament and we trust God and keep praising him and living for him, we encourage Christians and non-Christians. For both types of people, they have a real picture of what it means to be a Christian and to be walking, talking, living testimony that Jesus is worth it. That's better than trying to make out that life with Jesus is all happy and fine, isn't it? Because if we do that, 
The second new Christians discover life's hard, what will they do? They'll leave. Also, expect God to use your suffering. Paul and Silas could have run off free, but they're so aware of those around them and what God might be doing that they don't run off. And so think of those who are around you. What are they seeing and hearing as you try to be faithful through suffering? Can you see God encouraging them and drawing them in? It might not be as grand as Paul and Silas, but it is happening. But also, we can share testimonies with those suffering. Paul and Silas's story is shared to encourage us. Do the same. Store up stories of biblical people, of God's people, of yourself. When looking back, you can see how Jesus was using that faithfulness through suffering, you or your, your own or, or others, to help others spiritually love Jesus more. It's so great. It was so great, wasn't it, to have Maggie and David share that with us. What a precious, precious thing that is. And for you as uh, youth, if you've got something that is really hard and you wrestle with that with others and you do it in a way where you're going to God, I promise you, you will have more spiritual impact doing that than standing here and delivering a hundred sermons. I absolutely love uh, a, a couple at our previous church, uh, one of whom was diagnosed with um, pretty aggressive cancer. Lots of tears during the week, pretty hard time. Um, and extraordinarily, that person just turned up at church on the next Sunday. And they didn't do anything. They didn't write any amazing letters. They didn't explain their theological position. But they turned up on the Sunday and they stood in the pew and they sang. Honestly, for the next month, all anyone could talk about at church was how wonderful Jesus must be that that person could do that. They have no idea how much they influenced that whole church family just by the ordinary faithfulness of sticking with Jesus in suffering. Isn't that brilliant? How eternally significant and wonderful that God does not waste our suffering. God saves through those who are faithful through suffering. Shall we pray that he would help us do that? Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that you are a God who never lets our suffering get a waste. Help us, Lord, to be like Paul and Silas. And Lord, where we want to throw up our hands and to say that all is awful and we don't want anything to do with you, I pray that by your spirit you would resolve us, Lord, to trust you and to pray and to sing hymns and, Lord, to uh, spot stories about your faithfulness. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be faithful through suffering just as you are so that you might use our suffering, Lord, uh, and you might turn many hearts to you. Lord, we bless you and we praise you. Amen.